Bible calls them the fruit of the Spirit, the nine qualities you need to live what Dr. David Jeremiah calls a life beyond amazing. But they all depend on one decision. Today on Turning Point, David examines that decision, the most important one you will ever make, impacting the direction of your life and the desires of your heart. Listen as David introduces his message, A God-Inspired Life. You know, so many people who have great uh, ambition to become uh, successful in their lives, even Christian people, many times Christian men, uh, bypass the very thing that God wants them to know that will help them become the person, the people God wants them to be. Today, we're going to examine one of the priorities of the Bible, and I hope you'll stay with us. I think this could be very important to you as you think about where you are in your walk with the Lord and in your life. Don't forget that right now it's possible for you to go to a website called whythenativity.org and find a listing of every place where you can view the new docudrama that's just been completed and about to be released um, in advance of Christmas. This listing will continue to grow, but you can find where it is right now, and I hope you'll be among the first to view this and be blessed uh, by its message. And then don't forget the, the book for the month of November is the book, Why the Nativity, 174 pages, 25 chapters, answering questions you may have about the Christmas story. It includes behind-the-scenes pictures from the docudrama set, and uh, you can have this book for your gift of any size during the month of November. Do the best you can, but whatever you're able to send, when you send your gift, ask for the book, Why the Nativity? And we'll send it right to you. Well, let's get started with this encouraging and powerful message, The God-Inspired Life, Part 1. It was 1979, and Don and I were happily leading the Blackhawk Baptist Church in Fort Wayne, Indiana. This was my first church and our family was young, and I was learning every day how to serve a growing congregation. We'd completed two building projects, and we had started a school, and we had a weekend television program that was now being seen in five markets in the Midwest. And that's when the defining decision in our shared lives happened. A man by the name of Tim LaHaye. Tim never was bashful about what he thought and what he thought should happen. So one day he just told me outright that I was going to be the next pastor of the church that he had led for 25 years. He didn't ask me. He didn't say, we're going to pray about it. He just said, you are going to be the next pastor. Well, it took me two years to process that. And over those next two years, I resisted the message. How could God be in this? I mean, what did I know about ministering in California? I'd heard about all of you guys before I came out here. I had no idea what I was getting into. But as we processed all of this, our lives became dominated by this opportunity. And the interesting thing is that Donna knew God was calling us to California long before I did. I didn't want to know. I didn't want to see it. I was holding back, holding on to the church that I'd started and was building and finally, one day in desperation, Donna said to me, I remember exactly where I was when she said it, David, if God himself were to come down here and tell you to go to California, I don't think it would make any difference. 
Well, God didn't actually come down, but something pretty close happened. One day we were discussing coming to California and we got on the subject of earthquakes. Earthquakes was my latest excuse not to come to California. I reminded Donna that earthquakes happen out here a lot, a lot more than in Indiana. And sure enough, the next day in Fort Wayne, they had an earthquake. That's the truth. And it suddenly dawned on me that God could send an earthquake wherever he chose. And we decided to come to California. That one decision changed everything in our lives. Changed where our children went to school. It changed who they married. It changed where our 12 grandchildren would grow up. It changed what kind of ministry I would have. It opened doors that before that time were shut, and it shut doors that before that time were open. In these messages, I've encouraged you to make nine decisions that will transform your life. But behind each of these decisions is one decision that impacts all of the others. And that decision is, what will you decide to do with the Lord Jesus Christ? The Bible says that Jesus came into this world to deliver us from a life of sin and selfishness and separation from God. In a very familiar verse to most of us, the scripture says, all of us have sinned and we have fallen short of the glory of God. But through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that barrier between our holy God and sinful man has been removed. And when we decide to put our trust in Jesus Christ for eternal life, and we invite him into our hearts and our lives, he gives us a life beyond amazing, the life you've been listening to in these weeks, the Lord Jesus wants us to have that life, but it cannot begin until we make that defining decision to put our trust in Jesus Christ. So if you've been listening to these messages and you've been intrigued by the kind of motivational content of some of it, that's all well and good, but you can't even start any of these things until Jesus Christ is at home in your life. If you've never accepted him, if you've never invited him into your life, let me give you that invitation today. Make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Ask him to forgive your sin, and he's never refused to do that for anyone who comes honestly to ask. In these messages that we have been sharing, I have focused on what a life might look like if Jesus is involved and how we might activate that life in our everyday lives. Now there's one more decision to make. Jesus Christ is in your heart. The Holy Spirit has come to live within your life if you're a Christian. But now here is the question you must answer. Will I be willing to turn my life over to the Holy Spirit? the person God has given to each of us to orchestrate this life beyond amazing, am I willing to let him take control? When I was first starting in the ministry and trying to learn how to present the gospel, I was introduced to the four spiritual laws. Bill Bright at Campus Crusade put those together. He also had a little pamphlet on the Holy Spirit 
And I'll never forget that pamphlet because as you open it up, you saw inside of this pamphlet a chair. It was a throne. And the question was, who is sitting on the throne of your life? Is that throne occupied by the Spirit of God or are you still sitting there trying to make stuff happen because you're unwilling to trust that the Holy Spirit has a better plan for your life than you could ever dream up? So I want to talk with you today about how to give control of your life over to the Holy Spirit. I've called this message a God-inspired life. It is the one irreducible minimum to all of these decisions. And without this component, you will be frustrated at all of the other things you decide to do. Let me suggest to you that living a life empowered by the Holy Spirit is the only way you can ever be successful as a Christian. It was back in 2013 on the 10th of February that a fire broke out in an engine room of the Carnival cruise ship Triumph and knocked out all of the ship's power. More than 4,200 people were aboard this cruise ship and they were left in limbo, drifting in the Gulf of Mexico and its current. No power meant it was impossible to flush the toilets keep cool under the blazing tropical sun or preserve and cook all the perishable food that was on board. Passengers reported long lines for food, shortages of fresh water, illness, and widespread boredom. Many passengers slept in hallways or outside to escape the odors and the heat below decks. The ship finally ported safely in Mobile, Alabama, four agonizing days later and the ship and its tour became known as the cruise from hell the awful ordeal of the triumph is a riveting reminder of what happens to anything or anyone who gets disconnected from its source of power for those of us who are christians the bible teaches us that our power source as believers is the holy spirit you and I know that there are millions who suffer darkness in spirit, millions of Christians who endure spiritual misery and pain and seem to have no hope or relief. For them, the surge of power the Holy Spirit brings is instantly amazing. And for others, <laughs> may feel more like a gradual process. But I'm here to tell you today that unless you embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, the power that only he can provide, you'll be running on empty. And that's a pretty miserable place to be. If you've tried to sustain any of these nine characteristic traits that I have taught you over these last weeks, if you've tried to do that in your own strength, you've discovered that it's simply too difficult for you. And you know what? You're absolutely right. The Christian life is not hard, it's not difficult, it's impossible unless the Holy Spirit is in control. In the entire history of humanity, only one person has lived a perfect life. That person is Jesus Christ. But you may be amazed to discover that even Jesus Christ did not live that life by his own power. 
though he was one with God in power in heaven to be a complete and perfect human, the scripture says that for the years he was on this earth, he voluntarily laid aside the independent use of his divine attributes so that he could identify with us in every way. So guess what? While he was on this earth, he lived by the power of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit. One day Jesus told his disciples, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me, he does the work. Jesus lived and thought and worked and taught and conquered sin and won victories for God in the power of that same Spirit who lives within all of us. The Spirit whom all of us may have if we will accept his control of our lives. Well, you say, Pastor Jeremiah, how do I do that? I'm a Christian. I know that I'm saved. I know I'm on my way to heaven. I know my sins are forgiven. But I have these things in my life that I've tried to get my arms around, and I never seem to get victory over them. It's really frustrating. If there's something I'm missing out on, please tell me. Well, I just want to tell you, you're not missing the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. But you may not be appropriating him properly or allowing him to have control in your life. And if that's true, you will never be able to live the life beyond amazing with any consistency at all. And there are certain things that you are going to have to recognize and realize if you want that edge in your Christian experience. Living a life engaged with the Holy Spirit. I hope that as you've listened to these messages and heard me talk about all the possibilities to be a a person of love and joy and peace and a person that has integrity and a person that has self-discipline, I hope if you listen to all these things that you found within your own heart, hungering and thirsting after this and saying, I want that to be true of my life. Well, I want to tell you again that that's one of the most critical things that you can have, and that's a desire. The Holy Spirit takes up residency in our hearts the moment we believe, but we do not at that moment instantaneously become a fully mature Christian. It takes time for the fruit that the Spirit brings to ripen and become visible in our lives. And we have to do our part. And here's the first thing we have to do. We have to desire the Holy Spirit to be in control. You say, well, that seems kind of, I mean, why are you telling, it doesn't make any, why would you say that? Wouldn't anybody desire the Holy Spirit? No, we don't. I think if I could quote people that I've read and if I could look down into the hearts of people that I've met, Way too many Christians get saved, and the only thing they care about is that they're not going to hell, and they're going to heaven, and now they're going to do their own thing all the way through life. If you said to them, do you want more of God? Do you want more of the Spirit's control in your life? Many people would say, so what does that mean? And then when you start talking about what God may do in their lives, they back away and say, you know, I'm cool. I'm great. And many of them will say, don't bother me with all that stuff. I know I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven, and I'm confident of that, and I'm comfortable with that, and that's all I want. I'm not into all of this. And they think really walking in the Spirit is some kind of over-the-line, out-of-control walk. The Bible says if you want the Spirit of God to control your life, if you want his power source turned on, you have to desire it. At the climax of one of Israel's festivals, Jesus stood up in the temple and he said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And if you read the next verse, you find out he was talking about the Holy Spirit. 
In another passage, Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Both of these passages indicate the same thing. We have to desire the Holy Spirit to control us. We have to thirst for his direction in our lives. And although the Holy Spirit wants to direct our lives, he doesn't override our free will or seize control of our minds. I like this. He works more like a combination of a GPS system and power steering in your car. He gives you direction. And then he waits for your decision to follow him. You have to decide to turn the wheel in the direction that he points. And once you do that, he provides the power to steer the car and move it down the road. The direction to the destination and the power to get there belong to the Spirit, but the decision to continually drive forward to the correct destination remains with you. How many of you know when you get in your car, they haven't done this yet at least, they're working on it. You don't turn on the ignition, punch the GPS system, and then sit back and fold your arms, and the car takes you where the GPS system says it's going to take you. That doesn't work. By the way, I have a running dispute with the lady in my GPS system. She's not always telling me the truth. Sometimes she says, turn right, and I know better. I'm supposed to go forward. And you know what happens when you don't follow the lady in the little box in your car? You just wait a few moments and you hear these words, recalculating, recalculating. And I thought to myself, God, I wonder how many times the Spirit of God has directed me and I've gone on my own way and the Spirit of God has said, recalculating. One of the things I know is that God never gives up on us We take a wrong turn. He doesn't say, okay, that's it for Jeremiah. He went right and I told him to go straight. I'm done with him. No, he keeps after us. He keeps recalculating and bringing our lives back. But here's the issue. The Holy Spirit doesn't do the work. He shows you what to do, gives you the strength to do it, but you have to make the decision to follow it. And if you don't, then your GPS system's worthless and you will be lost, and you won't find your way. I remember reading before he died the late John Stott's morning prayer. You know, when you read what people say that's really not in the mainstream of what they do, you learn why they have power. You want to know why a man like John Stott, who moved the world from Britain with his great preaching and writing, why he was the way he was, here's his daily prayer. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And every day he prayed that prayer. Every day he said, 
at the beginning of this day, I'm turning over the control of my life to the Holy Spirit who lives within me. So you have to ask yourself the question today, do you want these qualities developed in your life? Do you want to be in a cooperative program with Lord God to work out your own salvation, to work out what God has worked in? Then the Holy Spirit's going to be involved and you have to give him control. Second, you have to denounce your sin. I love to tell people when I talk about the Holy Spirit that the Holy Spirit has two names and his first name is Holy. Because he is holy, the Holy Spirit cannot thrive in a contaminated environment. Ephesians 4.30 says this, Do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live. I think the New King James says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. One of the classes that impacted me the most during my time at Dallas Seminary was a course taught by Charles Ryrie on the Holy Spirit. In the years since, I have returned to Dr. Ryrie's little book on the Holy Spirit time and time again. In fact, one of the guys who helps me in the research part of what I do in the library over there where I keep my books asked me what happened to this book because the cover's gone. There's no back cover. There's no front cover. I said, I just wore it out. Because every time I turned around, I was picking that book up. If you know Charles Ryrie and his writing, you know he always was a man of few words. He said a lot more in a few words than most people say in volumes. In that book, he wrote, The victorious life, or the life which does not grieve the Holy Spirit, is the undefeated life. It is the life which is constantly responding to the light as it is revealed in God's Word. As response is made, this will bring to light more areas of darkness which then need to be confessed. And then more light comes, which in turn requires more confession of newly discovered darkness. And so it goes throughout life, but this is the normal way life grows that does not grieve the Spirit. Did you understand what he was saying? He didn't say, If you're living a life that's not grieving the Holy Spirit, you don't ever make any mistakes or you don't ever sin. No, what the Bible teaches is that if you're living a life that does not grieve the Holy Spirit, you're acknowledging sin when it becomes known to you and you deal with it. And then you keep studying. And here's what you learn as you get older in the Christ and as you grow in Christ, you will become sensitive to things later on that you never even thought of before. And as you become sensitive to the things that you know are not pleasing to God, you don't just blow them off or you don't just excuse yourself for them. You deal with them. And you ask God to forgive you and you repent. And repentance means to turn from it. It means to take a 180. You're going this way in this particular practice and God brings conviction to your heart about it and you say lord god i know this is wrong and i repent of this and i'm sorry for this but that's not the end of it when you do that you turn and you go the other direction repentance is not a matter of sorrow and tears and crying repentance means to stop doing what you're doing and start doing the right thing to repent and that's what the bible says it says when you become a christian old things pass away and all things become new 
I hope you've been to that place where you have repented of your sin and asked Christ to forgive you and have accepted him as your Lord and Savior. If you've not done that, there never will be a better time than right now, wherever you are. Just bow your head and pray and say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I repent of my sin. I ask you to forgive me and I accept your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as my Savior. I will seek to live for him and honor him in my life. If you make that decision and let us know, we'll send you some information that will help you uh, grow in your faith. And uh, all you have to do is ask for it when you write to Turning Point or call our number. We'll send it to you. You can find us on the website. There's so many ways to get in touch with us. I hope you'll use one of those ways to let us know how we can help you in your growth in Christ. We'll be back tomorrow for part two of A God-Inspired Life. Until then, I'm David Jeremiah, and this is Turning Point. Thank you so much for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, A Life Beyond Amazing, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Fill your Christmas with meaning and joy by asking for your copy of David's book and new docudrama DVD, Why the Nativity? Sure to become a Christmas classic. Each is available for your gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions available in your choice of cover options. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we conclude the series, A Life Beyond Amazing, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. We celebrate Christmas every year, but have you ever wondered why? Why Mary? Why Joseph? Why a newborn king? In the film called Why the Nativity, Dr. David Jeremiah gives you a front row seat as you travel back in time to experience the sights and sounds of this pivotal moment, the birth of Jesus. Make this your new Christmas tradition. Why the Nativity is available to stream for free at whythenativity.org. Watch it today for free at whythenativity.org. In all we do each day, Dr. David Jeremiah and Turning Point work to make a global impact for the kingdom of God. But we can't do it alone. That's where Bible Strong Partners come in. These loyal monthly supporters form the foundation of Turning Point, allowing Dr. Jeremiah to teach the whole counsel of God. Partnering with Turning Point enables you to share in the eternal impact of this ministry, leading people to Christ through our media and printed resources, multiplying Bible teaching broadcasts, presenting the gospel around the globe, and strengthening the saints. In appreciation for your partnership, Turning Point wants to provide you with exclusive monthly resources and study guides, member-only communications, an on-demand library of study content, and so much more. Are you ready to see what the Lord will do? Let's expect to change the world together. Go to davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong to become a BibleStrong partner today. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash BibleStrong. I read a story about a poverty-stricken man who inherited an old family Bible from an aunt who had passed away. 
When he finally opened the Bible one day, 35 years after receiving it, he discovered $5,000 in U.S. currency tucked between its pages from Genesis to Revelation. And because he had never bothered to open the Bible, he didn't benefit from the treasure it contained at a time when he sorely needed it. What a perfect picture of how we fail to benefit from the spiritual riches in God's Word simply because we don't open the book and make our way through its pages. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's treasures in Scripture on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.